There's a saying that tells us to be strong when you are weak, be brave when you are scared, and to be humble when you are victorious. We here at the Big Footy Blues podcast are well versed in the first two, but we'll be damned if we are going to achieve the third tonight because the Mighty Blues have recorded a stirring victory against Fremantle on the weekend, and we are here to talk loud and proud about it. We're also going to take a look at our upcoming clash against the Bombers, and I'll give you the tip, humility is not high on the agenda there either. I'm ODN, and joining me on our journey tonight... He is a voyeur known for watching sweaty young men while ticking all the boxes and sweatier old goggle boxes getting ticked off while watching everybody else. Welcome, HBF. <laughs> Good evening, gents. Keith is an absolute legend. <laughs> you can call him a hipster. You can call him a nerd. Just make sure your shoelaces are done up and you don't zig when you should have zagged. Shandog is in the house. <laughs> Howdy doody, everyone. How are you? <laughs> Uh, God, you give him a build-up like that, like make him scary, and he says, "Howdy, doody." I know that's just the... totally destroyed. The and see, look off air before we started. We were all just discussing how um, Odin comes up with these brilliant intros, <laughs> and then we sit there going, "Oh, how do I respond? Uh, <laughs> what do I say?" And then just I go, should have said this. <laughs> and you just go, oh, "Hello, howdy, and, howdy, and again, everyone." I geared myself up again so hard then. Like, I was concentrating so hard. Uh, I still got nothing. No, I love it. Uh, and Ferris B wanted to be here, but he has been shelved. No, like... <laughs> Phrasing. Literally, literally, we picked him up and put him on the shelf next to a collection of troll dolls and maybe scary old blues figurine that she used to keep in her closet. Um, anyway, guys, look, forget all the formalities. Let's go straight to last weekend's result. It's time for The Weekend Wake. So, last Sunday at Domain Stadium, round five, Carlton 10-12-72 defeated Fremantle. Say again, defeated Fremantle 9-14-68. The four points by four points. Goals for Carlton, Thomas three, Jones two, singles to Wright, Lamb, Charlie Curnow, Murphy and Gibbs. In the name of the best for Carlton were Cripps, Kerridge, Murphy, Simpson, Ed Curnow and Thomas. Guys... We won a game. Bloody brilliant, wasn't it? So good to see us uh, us win. And and maybe and I was singing the song after the game. It was uh, it was fantastic. Um, I'm still stunned. <laughs> I'm still lost for words. <laughs> the expectation is that we're going to we're going to just miss out and under those circumstances because that's what we do so often. You know, we haven't learned how to win. So, you know. That, yeah, that was one of the most impressive things about it, really, is that um, not only was we, we've seen effort over almost entire games consistently so far this season, which has been a, a brilliant change to the last one, but to actually stick to structures and to not make um, just glaring mental um, errors that, that sort of lead us to lose a close game like that, how good is that? 
We're oh. actually working as a team well. It's just, it's a, I know it's Frio, and Frio, yeah. are, uh, even statistically going into the game, I was pretty confident that we would win because as... Uh, I think it was Blue and Silver who's been doing these statistical breakdowns before the games. Um, mm. It pointed out quite clearly that we were a superior team in most aspects. But still, they were the number one team at the end of the home and away season last well, well, year. I mean, that, that raises the question, though. Statistically, we lost in disposals. We lost the clearances. We lost the inside 50s narrowly. Uh, we lost the contested possessions. We got smashed in the tackles. We even lost the headouts. Uh, and Sandy Lands is missing. Um, how did we win it? Oh, look, I thought. Divine uh, intervention. <laughs> did you well, guys think that Frio's ball movement was abysmal? On oh, yeah. They, they could not move the ball from out of their defensive half forward of centre. I mean,. It, I've never seen Fremantle um, cough the ball up like that. And whether it's a combination of sort of our pressure and their lack of confidence, uh, but the amount of times they turned that ball over was unbelievable on, on Sunday. Yeah, I think it was a bit of a perfect storm of, of Carlton's um, team defence getting better and better by the week. And we haven't been leaking that many points, even though teams have been getting on top of us for little periods or a quarter of a game where they're, they're clearly dominating. We, we haven't been leaking too bad, and our defence is actually held up really well with um, Weedering and now Ploughman in there as well. So when, when we're, that whole of ground defence is putting pressure on them and, and making the other team execute their passes well, Frio, on the other hand, are not doing that. Um, they're, they're really poor at that at the moment. So going into this game, all we had to do was make sure we brought that aspect of our game and it was going to sort of uh, play into their weakness as well, our strength, their weakness sort of thing. And that's, I reckon, what's happened basically is that um, despite them having more of the ball, they just couldn't use it. What, what I heard today was that um, North Melbourne have actually conceded more points than what we have. Yeah, so, that was true of before the round just got Yeah. So whilst they're a, you know, a high-scoring team, they're not a very good defensive team. So... We're kind of the other way around, um, and with it, you know, a team that's rebuilding like we are, uh, you know, I think it's pretty important that we get our defence right and then yep. build our attack, much like what sort of Melbourne are, are doing. So, um, yeah, from from that point of view, that's uh, that's very good. Yeah, yeah, I agree for sure. Um, who were their standouts? Though, you reckon? I really like Murphy. He he had a a brilliant game. Was it thirteen touches in the in the first quarter? Um, so really kind of came out all guns blazing. I think he was a bit quieter in the next two quarters, but um yeah, I think without him I doubt we would have got over the line in that in that last quarter and the the goal he kicked um looked like he was cramping as he kicked the ball. So it was a pretty good effort for him to sort of will the team over the line and I think I think when he looks back on his career he may think that that's probably one of the better games he's had for our footy club. Definitely in recent memory, anyway. But it was yeah, it was it was really important. We got off to a good start against Frio over there, and and um and we did so that was brilliant. Yeah, yep. Simpson had another great game, and he's just just part of that solid defence now. And it's good to have the old hand back there. So Jamison's been mm. out of the side. So having Simpson there as a guiding hand is pretty has been pretty useful. And he's he's racking them up. Um, he is 30, about thirty possessions or something like that again. Um, Wright had a very good game. He's, he's he's turned out to be a fantastic pickup for us. Um, probably in our Maybe in our top five players this year, I'm not sure, but um, he, he's thereabouts. And uh, Kieran Byrne, you know, he, he makes he made a mistake early, and after that, just just his attack on the ball and his run, 
the way he runs and takes the ball off and gives it off and gets it back and creates from that half-back line is is, is amazing. And um, we might have found our well a harder version of uh, of Chris Heron. Yeah, his his defensive work clearly because he's made a couple of mistakes over the last couple of games. His, his defensive work needs improvement, and you'd think that that's probably expected of of a player like him where he's where he's come from and everything um but that attacking flair he's got is um is absolutely brilliant so so long as we can keep nurturing and and uh and developing his defensive game um and then just sort of release the shackles on him when he gets the ball then i think he's definitely going to be a, a, a player um, um, i'd really like to give a shout out to liam jones he's been a, a whipping boy on our board for Oh, I've always been behind him, hundred percent. Always, <laughs> he really, he has been a whipping boy since um, he pretty much crossed the Cartman. I was really pleased for him that he was able to kick those two goals in in the last quarter. I mean, the pressure on him would have been huge, um, and he went back and comfortably kicked them pretty easily. So I was really pleased for him. And he's not everyone's sort of cup of tea, but you know, he did what he had to do, and he did have a relatively quiet first three quarters, but he stood up. When he had to, and um, you know, it's good to see him get another game this week against Essendon. Look, there's a little bit of perspective required there. I mean, it's it's good that he kicked those two goals uh, because we don't have any forwards, tall forwards that kick goals. Uh, obviously, Caswell doesn't do it. So, what I'm more interested in is what it does for his confidence going forward because yeah, exactly. he was pretty he was pretty stoked with himself. He was pretty pumped about it. I don't think it was a great game. The two goals were vital. Mm. Yes, they were vi- absolutely vital, but uh, it's more about what this does for him, how he feels part of that team now, and uh, whether that gives him confidence to to run and attack the ball as well, become that <laughs> that contested beast that uh, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> I'm not even going to go there. I'm just going to leave that alone. What I've noticed is that when he and Casbolt were both going up for the same sort of marks and whatnot, there's got to be a bit more synergy between them, and that's only going to come with them playing a bit more together. Because they'd both, they'd, rather than one sort of identify that the other player has the, the better position, they should be the one to, to really fly for it. And the other guy, you know, do the, a bit a bit more blocking and, and helping out rather than actually contesting the ball. Um, it wasn't happening. They were both just in their own worlds um, competing for the same ball. So the more they play together, the, that's probably going to change. And um, and that's when I think we'll start seeing the, the better side of Liam Jones and what he can actually produce if he's got that confidence from last game going ahead, um, and and can get a bit of time in the team. Yeah, well they've got a they've got a couple of games to do it. Christian Jackson has been kicking goals in the VFL. Uh, they're still not happy with his consistency, so he's one that they're really sort of forcing to learn their lessons because they have they have some high reps on high expectations on him. So even if other players might have got a call up after kicking those goals. They want him to be exactly right because they know he can go missing. So, but he's a you know as I said he's kicking goals. So, so you'd think if he if he starts getting uh, he kicks more goals over the next couple of weeks in the VFL, <clears throat> one of those guys is under pressure. Um, and also uh, young Jack Silvani. Um, it's just a natural up forward. He kicked a couple of goals in his first game back from injury. So. Um, you know, he's somebody, while he's not at all, uh, I could see us going with one tall and a couple of those mobile sort of tallish players, um, you know, if he went when he's right to go and there's a lot of pressure. It's probably, you know, they're talking him right up uh, while everybody else is saying, just let him just play VFL for the rest of the year and develop his body. But 
the kid the kid's a little bit irrepressible, isn't he? Yeah, I think Bolton had um had, had share that same approach to it as well. Just you know, you you resigned to the VFL this year. I think yep. um if he shows enough and there's a position for him, then then he'll get a game. Yep. Um, Patrick Cripps. How many contested possessions did Was he get HPM? Twenty or nineteen or something? Yeah, twenty. Twenty had twenty. So <laughs> frantically looking for it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, twenty. Uh, one of the posters on uh, in the po- uh, player of the year thread mentioned that to me when I didn't put him in my votes. So uh, <laughs> you didn't. Wow. I didn't put him in. I just. I think I had other players in my head, sort of as the game was going and. I think probably what that shows is it's a he's probably a little bit like probably had a Brett Ratton game maybe. Yeah, on, on I was some... thinking that myself. We had there was an opposition supporter that came on the Carlton board after the game and said uh, into the votes thread and said I can't believe you guys didn't have Cripps Big. And he said you, you, it's just totally underrate underrate him. And I'm thinking, man, he's not hanging around enough. <laughs> but for some reason, you know, it's all about being about the new guys and Weedering coming in and Kerno coming in and, you know, different things we're doing with the side. And, and, and Cripps is just, I don't know, he's just rolling along being Cripps, isn't he? And I didn't notice that he was particularly uh, quiet for a half like he had been. He was pretty consistent, I thought. Yeah. yeah he was right at the coalface. And I think that's probably why, whether I just didn't notice him or something, but... Yeah, look, I mean, having a look at the stats after the game, I mean, 20 contested possessions is an absolutely amazing effort for, you know, someone who, let's be honest, is still sort of learning the game and, you know, how how to go about things at the top level. And I'm very much looking forward to seeing what he's going to do against Essendon on uh, on, on Sunday. You know what, um, seeing uh, how many people probably overlooked how good a game um, Cripps did or how influential he was around the stoppages. That kind of goes away explaining for me how um, there was one particular incident on the wing towards the end of the game where Cripps fired out a handball at Gibbs and he just uh, just butterfingered completely and dropped it and it was a bit of a turnover. We we can't even see him with the, the, the use of cameras zoomed in on, on stoppages when he's under the pack and smashing through eight people to fire out a handball at a billion miles an hour. No wonder the players fumble it. And, yeah, we don't realise it. They have a look after the game. Like, he had 20 contested possessions and 10 clearances or something. Yeah. Like, I, I don't even remember three of them. His, his ability to be able to get his arms free and get the ball out and actually find someone. So those three, those three skills all in the space of, you know, a second is amazing. You know, he just... He's an amazing player, and just you know, I can't wait to see what else he's going to produce over his over his career at Carlton. Our, our leadership group and our and our elder statesmen. This is one where they really came to the fore. They they pretty much all stood up and did something. You know, Gibbs and Murphy both kicked uh, clutch goals in that last quarter. Um, Ed Kerno just you know, with thirty one disposals, did just just did what he always does and tackled his heart out. Um, Kate Simpson with the 30, 30 possessions. We already talked about Cripps. Dale Thomas three goals. Uh, Sam Doherty, the, the the acts of of courage by that guy. You know, especially when he went back. Uh, Went back with a flight and uh, and spoiled. Um, I think it might have been in front of Pavlage. Um, yep. So yeah, I mean, and that was just heroic for a footballer. The, the things that sort of he does, and so but all those guys, they're the ones that led from the front. So you know, probably the week before, you know, we were lamenting the lack of leadership and how these guys weren't standing up, and it was the young guys that were doing it all. This week, it's just flipped around, and then they led they led the way. So I, I'm you know. 
We need to see more of it. They've got a big rap this week. I know all our leaders have been talked up. We need to see that consistently. That's what they're there for. Um, I think that's pretty much uh, all we've got to talk about. It was a, it was a comical game. It was a, it was a scrappy game. Um, oh, <clears throat> just the, the sheer emotion when that siren went. I think I started crying about a meet, um, probably after after Jones kicked that last goal. With <laughs> about a minute to go, I thought not even Calvin can go can see two. Oh, hang on, wait a second. I waited for about another 10, 15 seconds just to make sure. Because <laughs> <laughs> you never know because we've been heartbroken so many times. But the tears, the tears were welling up and then that siren went. And to see the likes of Karen Byrne, you know, just rushing in there with the, the biggest grin on his face and screaming and, and you know, the players embracing, you could see what it meant to them and, and I think Bolton said in the press conference it's just it just shows them it's just a payoff for their hard work to show yeah. them that it's working that, I think that, that's that what got to me as well like I, I wasn't overly emotional by the win or anything like that but when I saw the players reaction that's when I um, I got that warm fuzzy feeling because I could see how much it meant to them and that in turn when, when the players are playing for the jumper and each other and, and they're truly emotionally invested in a game sort of thing then that's when you can really make that connection as a supporter or when I can anyway and I go yeah damn damn straight this means something you know yeah, and then, yeah. yeah so I thought yeah. that was that was definitely the best part Absolutely, and didn't they belt out the song in the dressing room? Mm. That was fantastic. Yeah, I was, I was just about to say that. I, th- I think sort of I got sort of most emotional when they were when sort of all the the new guys were in the middle of the circle, and then the slightly bigger circle was you know surrounding them. Um, you know, I was just I was just really wrapped for you know those guys. You know, with all the hard work they've put in, and and as you guys have said, you know what Bolton said. You know, the reward for effort, um, you know, it was really good. I think that's probably what got to me the most. Um, so, yeah, it was really fantastic just to actually see us being, being able to sort of sing the song after the game. It was, it was excellent. Yeah. All right. Uh, we'll move on there. So um, high on victory, on the right path. The Blues prepare for their next challenge against a fierce rival. Let's hear what the panel think about that up next in pregame pep talk. Round six, Carlton versus Essendon, Sunday, 3.20pm at the MCG. Big game. We've been waiting for this. We've been waiting to, uh, well, hopefully to get another win and uh, and uh, take advantage of Essendon in their current plight. Um, ends for Carlton. Uh, just remember, this is a Sunday game, so uh, we've got an extended bench and three will come out tomorrow. Uh, ends Dennis Armfield, Nick Graham, Simon White, Michael Jamison, Jason Tutt, out Dylan Buckley with a calf injury. Charlie Kuno with an illness. That was interesting. It must be a uh, Powerade overdose, I would suggest. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> Powerade. <laughs> I got it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's good. Guys, do you, uh, who do you think is going to come in out of those guys? Who's, obviously, two of those five are coming in, but uh, which ones? As I'm the only panellist that lives in Melbourne, um, Having a look at the weather tonight, they're forecasting 20 mils of rain on, on Sunday. So that, I f- suspect, will influence uh, who perhaps comes in. And I put on the board before, I think 
uh, maybe Armfield and Tut will come in. I'm not sure that we need to go any taller than what we already are. Um, you know, we've lost Buckley and Kerno, so we've lost a runner and a sort of a third tall. So whether we whether we need another, whether we need to replace sort of Kerno with a wide, I'm not convinced. I think maybe Armfield and Tut come in for some for some run on what could be a, a pretty wet day at the MCG. It makes the most sense, I think. Even if it wasn't going to be wet, it, it would probably still be a good choice to make because purely on a structure sense because I think we still do look a little bit slow. We did pretty well to cover Fremantle last week who do have some some smooth movers in their team um, but we don't quite have that line breaking explosive speed that um, I think we probably are aiming for with guys like Bocorst and stuff to still come back in eventually. So yeah. I think Armfield for Buckley is pretty much a you know no brainer one for one. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all if um, the, if Tuck came in for Kerno. But the other thing is, we as as you guys mentioned earlier, we, we are getting smashed a bit in the centre still and at clearances and stoppages. And I wonder whether or not the failing to improve much against Frio in that area means that Nick Graham will come back in and play as a as a midfielder um, to try and help that out. Hmm. Well, Graham, what, Graham hasn't been one for clearances this year, so I don't think he's been playing that role though. I think he's yeah. been, yeah. So it may, perhaps he might come in and do that because we know he can. He's shown that he has before. Yeah, so. absolutely. And he's a hard tackler, and that, that's important in the wet. It's a bit of a yeah. shame because I, I think just with uh, Essendon side the way it is over, over a four quarter effort, you know, they're probably some of their ring-ins have been, um, you know. Had a, had a fair bit of heart and, and whatnot, and they've given a better account of themselves than I thought they would. But um, it, it's a bit of a shame that it's uh, possibly going to be a wet night and um, the natural skill isn't going to come to the fore and it might end up being a grind because they do have a lot of grinders in their side and might actually suit them. But but on the other hand, if Jason Tutt does come into the side, uh, it's going to be uh, with a wet ball, uh, it's going to get turned over a lot, so his, he won't stand out in that regard. <laughs> <laughs> That's a positive. Hey, um, what do you guys think about the um, – there's been a lot of people talking about uh, in the match thread and things like that, having uh, dropping one of the Ruckman, whether it be – uh, Cruiser or Phillips, doesn't matter. But um, are you guys still happy to see the two rucks going in again next week? Even though, as you've pointed out, we didn't we didn't really win the ruck contest. Well, we haven't won it at all this season, I don't think. Really, what uh, what worked well for us last year was sort of the Cruiser Casbolt combination. Um, I, I still I still have a feeling we're sort of one. We've got one too many talls in our team. We just and against Essendon, I'm not really convinced that we need that extra at all because their back line is quite short and they've really only got Danaher and Grimley up forward, who obviously both need attention. Um, and Brown as well. Yeah, and Brown. Yeah. So, but if if it's going to be wet, which by all accounts it is, whether they, I'm just wondering if they won't, if they might drop at all as well. So. Oh, look, I'm happy for Bolton to play around with it and, and see what he thinks, but it wouldn't surprise me towards the end of the year if we go back to sort of one Ruckman and, and Casbold if, if he can um, if he can straighten out his kicking. Sort of jury's still out a bit for me with the, the two Ruckman plus Casbold. Look, I think at some stage during the year, I think we, we're kind of looking at the one the one big tall forward, uh, the one tallish mobile forward, the likes of uh, Charlie Kerno obviously, 
and and maybe another tall forward if, if, if Jacks comes in. So we're looking at a little bit of mobility, but not going too tall. Um, that will allow us to play Caswold as a second ruck. Um, you know, unless unless as I you know, said earlier, Liam Jones gets some confidence up and, and keeps his place in the side all year. But um, we we probably don't want Casbolt to be the second ruck, just leaving leaving Liam Jones as our only tall forward. Yeah, we'd have to bring someone else in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and look, and that's not going to be you know. I thought I, I, I saw I saw White and Jamison, and I thought, well. What's going on there? Is are we are we planning? Because there has been talk, believe it or not. Um, uh, Bolton has talked about weedering up forward and Jamison. Oh, what about Jamison up forward? Yeah, I, I oh, that's, um, been, that, that's been done. That's not going to work. Has it though? It has been done here, for any significant sort of period though. I don't. Oh, you know, but he did it. They did it for a game once. You know, and yeah, it's he did just, it against Hawthorne a few years ago. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I he, think I remember that. He's not a goal kicker, even when he's got the ball. He doesn't. He, he's not. A, he's he's not a good goal kicker. Um, and he, I guess you know, he he can take contested marks from behind. You know, as a defender, I just don't know. He had, he he certainly doesn't have the leading patterns. And he's not going to take a pack mark, so I just don't see the point of it. He's just another body up there, and and that's it's probably not fair on Jemo either, you know. And and us, you know, Simon White playing as a keep as a keep forward, it's it's pointless. I don't I don't uh, see it. I, I get the um, I mean, we've sort of been there, done that with White. We kind of you know know what he can do, and you know yeah. he's really been replaced by Plowman down back, and absolutely. And, I suppose you could say Lamb forward. I, I just don't really see a position for White in the team whilst those two are playing. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't sorry, just on that HPF, Lamb, Lamb is um, he, he cops a little bit here and there. People thinking he doesn't do much, but he doesn't. He does a lot without the ball. Yeah, and I think what uh, he does when he actually does get the ball, he, he does seem to make it count. Um, he doesn't. He, he typically, well, from where I've been sitting, he, he tends to use the ball pretty well, and he was. He was actually a bit unlucky um, against Fremantle. I think they were on on two occasions. He could have quite easily got a free kick deep forward, um, and was they were both missed. So um, he he's he's been good. I, I'm not quite sure where all the negativity. Yeah, me neither. I think he's a pretty smart footballer, and, and you don't feel concerned when when he's got ball in hand at yeah. all. So I, I like him in the team and Sumner as well. Even though Sumner's been a little quiet, I'd agree with that. Um, he's still. Pressure acts and stuff like that. He's still building, and and he'll come good. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he 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 um he was certainly quieter on the weekend, but um you know we might as well just keep playing these kids and and, and see see how they go. Um, but yeah, I just don't. And as as much as I hate to say it about Jamo, I think he's going to find it hard to to get back into the team. I think you know we're looking forward, and we're not going to go back to the well with with guys like him. So you know why don't we? Start planning around our backline of you know Plowman and Weedering and, and Rowe as like as if he can if Rowe can sort of hold his spot. Um, I just find it interesting if you're looking at three potentially maligned trades uh, as far as packages um, go, um, collectives. Uh, we have the GWS four pick twenty eight trade from last year, and all of them are in the side, which was amazing because we didn't think that would happen so quickly. Um, and we have 
Tut and Jones <laughs> potentially oh, wow, playing this yeah. weekend. It's only Jacks, isn't I it? I don't think anybody thought either one would play again, let alone both of them decide <laughs> at the same time. Um, it's, 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 it's bizarre. But it's it's the uh, the pick seven. It's the Jacks, Wiley, Bokhorst trio. Not in the side, any of them. Well, Bokhorst does get a pass, though. He's injured. Yeah, he got, he's been injured. But then again, he's you know he'd been struggling a little bit, so people were a bit down on him. So, but yeah, it's just, it's just interesting how that works out. They like they all travel together by the sounds of it. <laughs> hmm. uh, anyway, um, who's going to match up with who, um, and, and uh, who's going to win? How do we win? I'm, I'm not sure what match up sort of much through their midfield. I think sort of pretty common knowledge that we'll just. Sort of player hole. Just cold player on dud across the board, yeah. I'd be interested to see who who Bolton gives first crack to Danaher, whether he goes to row to start the game or whether he gives Weedering a shot first up. So, yeah. Oh, I think Rowe. Rowe would be the best um, because not only is he the tallest, but he's also the heaviest of our, uh, our defenders. And if there's anyone who's probably um, good to really make sure that um, Danaher doesn't get off to a good start physically – bodies him a little bit and uh, really sort of gets gets him off to a bad start for the game would be Rowe to really lay into him physically. And and from there, it's, it's a team defense, so anyone could be picking up anyone, I suppose. Yeah. 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 Rowe's probably a more forceful uh, spoiler. Yeah. He should, he should really look to be quite physical with Danaher. Because Danaher's a big boy, but he's not that heavy and he's not that strong. So he really needs to, I think, if you get stuck into him early and really throw him off his game, um, that would be the way to go forward. Yeah, yeah. that's a fair point. Um, midfield is not too bad for Essendon, though. Um, Centre line and you know, there's a few good players in there. And obviously we've got the, Geelong, the, the extra long veterans who are guiding them around the park. So it's not by any means. If we come with any sort of idea that we're going to just walk up and win that, we're going to go down. Nah, no chance. Oh, absolutely. We've got to... We've got to um, be prepared, you know, from the first bounce to be switched on and, and to get into it because I think Essendon will be pretty keen to make amends for what they dished up against Collingwood on Anzac Day, especially in that first half. So I'd expect them to come out pretty hard. So we need to, you know, we need to be hard as well and need to be switched on. Um, look, I, I still think we can win it, um, but yeah, we need um, we need our boys switched on from that first bounce. Well, yeah. As long as we've got the, as long as we've got enough grinders out there, if it's a wet ground and a wet game, and the skills yeah. are there, then we've we've got we've got more heart than them to to get over the line. So, um, so you tips? I'll say Carlton by uh, sixteen points. I, I think uh, I think we're going to go pretty well in the end. Um, low scoring game, but I think we'll get up by a, a good four goals, which will be quite a difference between the two teams, especially if it rains. And I think um, I think Liam Jones, if, if it's wet, I don't think he's going to have too much of, a, of an impact, but um, we should hopefully get a lot out of I'm looking towards uh, Lamb and Sumner to have some really important touches and, and goals for us. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think probably similar, somewhere between two and three, two and three goals, uh, just if it's wet. Uh, if if for some miracle uh, it, it, the ground's pretty dry and, and it's easy to run on top of it and, um, and use his skills, then I expect to come away winning by about forty plus. The, the ground um the ground does rain very well, but I I did catch the weather tonight and it it's supposed to start raining from sort of tomorrow all the way through the weekend. Not not a lot of rain, but I think it's going to be 
are fairly constant. So I suspect the ground probably is going to be pretty wet by the time the, the game starts on, on Sunday afternoon. So hopefully it's not, but that's what Lavinia Nixon told me tonight. <laughs> oh, well, totally trust Lavinia. Um, <laughs> just before we go... Um, Carlton submitted its application to have a team in the, uh, the women's football. Very exciting! Next year. Yeah, Good. that's very exciting. But, gee, we've 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 as, as far as promoting this thing and really getting out there and being proactive, it's it's so impressive for a team that's known as a bit of a boys' club and you know uh, the lowest in the AFL as far as female members, and they've really set out to rectify it and chase this so hard. You know they've got an back, they've got one of the one of the top play, female players who I think plays for I can't remember whether it's Melbourne or the Bulldogs, but she's a, he's a Carlton ambassador for for women's football. So you know imagine if we get a Carlton team, that's where she'd be heading, um, and. Um, just with uh, what's 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 our board member's name, Kate? Um, anyway, uh, yeah, I'm just I've drawn a mental Jenkins. Um, so so just 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 with you know as far as, as since she's come in and the, the the sort of female initiatives we've taken, um, the the this is another name here. Captain Carlton's offsider is uh, something Nina, Nina. Uh, Nina maybe Nina. Like, Maybe Nina, that's it. So I mean, the gestures that we're making seem more than token. All the all the words, because and, and it's not. I don't feel it's token anyway. Some people might be a little bit cynical about such things, um, as far as building a membership base and so forth. But you know, as a passionate Carlton supporter and a guy, I'm so looking forward to seeing a female team wearing the CFC monogram running out there. I, I mean, I could just see me just being. I just like competitive sport. Yeah, you know, whoever's playing it. And, and I'd back it to the hilt. If they're going to have a membership, a separate membership, then I'll be on board too. And I, and I won't be able to get to get any games because I'm not in Melbourne. But just to support that concept, mm. I think it's I think it's wonderful. And uh, I just hope there's, there's limited places available. I see GWS are pushing for a team, um, and um, obviously the couple of Melbourne teams have already got their licenses sorted because they're the, they were the first ones to start. So you know we're probably fighting for one of maybe Four a couple so, of think. spots. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know who else is actually promoting the initiative. I just pray that uh, the AFL look upon us favourably. Yeah, I, I don't want to dwell on it too long, but I, I think it's a great um, uh, initiative by the club. But in a wider sense as well, um, we're seeing like some – what's Bolton saying? Green green sprouts? Green shoots. Green shoots. green shoots from the administration as well. I think um, over the last couple of years, we're, we're really starting to move in the right direction as a club and, and to start pulling our – ahead out of backsides and moving forward. So not only is the women's footy initiative great that the club is getting involved with it, but I think what the club is doing overall has been really positive. It's it's interesting, isn't it? You don't really hear, know a lot about what goes on behind the scenes, but when we start, when we come up with these new initiatives, you sort of sit there and go, it, it, it makes you realise what we didn't, what we weren't doing before and what we yeah. didn't have before. Yeah. And yeah. you probably don't even, you take it for a little bit for granted and some things you come out with and go, oh, Weren't we doing that? <laughs> what? We don't have female members. What? I didn't know that because you know, we've, we've got a couple of great we've had we've had female members on our podcast. Yeah, no, we, we yeah, I thought we were good. Know, we we embrace all, um, but uh, it, it's sort of it just makes you it makes you realise and uh, you know, real credit to the uh, administration and the well, basically everybody at the club. And even when we even when, uh, in our photo opportunity today, I think there was ten people representing the club from every section 
of the club, uh, you know, with all their portfolios and handing their application in. Five females, five males. It was just another, you know, smart. <laughs> We're just getting smarter with it. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, marketing and, and just some, whoever's giving them advice is giving them pretty good advice at the moment. That's all. Just on other news, somebody mentioned at the top of the podcast, there was a bit of a talk about Chris Judd. Yeah, he's um, joining the panel of uh, Footy Classified, apparently. So it was tweeted out just before we sort of came on air tonight. So I think he's only he's not going to be there every week, but he's going to be there some weeks. I'm not really sure. I, I Really, it just sort of popped up. You know, five minutes before we all came on. So don't have a lot of details yet, but, um, yeah, it's a bit interesting seeing as I didn't think he'd sh- really shown any interest in being in the media. Um, no. I'd love to hear his insight as a bit of a neutral commenting on other teams and stuff like that. That would be fantastic. But as he said, it just seems so so unjud-like. Yeah. You know, um, it's certainly not something that he wanted to go into. And so if he's only going to do it once in a while just to sort of – you know, keep an interest or something, then then maybe so. But, uh, gee, I wonder if he just a full time media gig just doesn't seem like his nah, thing. But. I, I I must admit, I'm surprised I'm, he's even in the media. To, to be honest, yeah. um, I, I thought he'd be the one one player that you could sort of think, you know, once his footy career is over, that's it. He'll just go yeah. off and do his own thing. Sorry, he's been he's been in ga- he's been running up to matches and sitting in the box with Beck and you know things like that. We're seeing a we're seeing a little bit of it, aren't we? You know, he said all this before he retired, and because the public scrutiny on him is fa- was fantastic, it was it was huge before beforehand. It was just probably a bit unnerving for him, and it's not wasn't his style. But now all that's been taken away, you probably reevaluate a little bit and go, oh, I still love football, and I still like to be involved yeah. somewhere. So yeah, maybe maybe come back and coach. Yeah, club. Uh, a stoppage coach. Oh, that, that would be lovely. That would be fantastic. <laughs> Ten thousand memberships extra, right there. Yep. <laughs> All right, that's uh, that's enough waffling from us here. Um, I think we've done pretty well. Uh, didn't hear anybody yawning tonight, Shandog. <sighs> Well, <laughs> there it goes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I know, I know when it's time to get off. All right, folks. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> oh, dear. See, if, if there was a female person on this podcast, you guys would be slapped down really fast for that. Right. Um, thank you, Shandog, for coming in. No worries. Thank you, gentlemen. Uh, thank you. What's your name? HBF. Uh, thank you. Uh, uh, <laughs> oh, I think is it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, let's look forward to another win on the weekend for the Mighty Blues. Go, you good thing. Yeah.